one name that's exalted over all, Jesus Christ. Thank you for what you've done on our behalf in sending Jesus Christ to be a man who walked on this earth, who lived life as we have, and experienced life the same way we do, and yet did it without sin. Went to a cross, paid the price for my sin, so that I could have life, so that I could have hope, so that I could have a relationship with my Creator. Father, in the next few moments as we open the Word of God, we pray that our hearts would be stilled. We pray that your Spirit would be free to speak to us as you see fit. We pray that the distractions, the things that would carry us away, the things that would um, cause us not to hear from you, that, that you would still those in our minds and our hearts for just the next few moments. We pray that it's the Word of God that we hear, not my words. We pray that your Spirit would encourage us and that we would see Jesus Christ in a fresh and a new way. Thank you so much for how much you love us, how much you care for us. Meet with us. Continue to meet with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You can have a seat. If you've been with us the last little while, we've been going through the book of John, and uh, we've been slowly making our way through and, and chatting about um, who Jesus is and how, how the, the writer introduces Jesus to us. And last week, I talked a little bit about Jesus getting ready to leave the earth and the fact that Jesus was getting ready and he knew what was coming. He was explaining to his disciples what was coming. And in preparing his disciples for the fact that he was leaving, he said, I will send one just like me, a counselor or the Holy Spirit who would come. And the Holy Spirit would indwell or live within us as we gave our hearts to Jesus Christ. And what I mean by that is when we understood that Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin, paid a debt that we couldn't pay, and we accepted the gift that he paid, that he gave us eternal life, and we placed our hands in his and we said, yeah, God, I can't do this, but you did it through your son, Jesus Christ, and I accept what he's done on my behalf on the cross. And I gave my heart to him, my life to him. And the scripture says this, that Jesus looked at his disciples and said, if you do that, the Holy Spirit will come and he will direct you. He will live within you and he will, he will point you toward Jesus Christ. He will help you to understand who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. And he'll help you to understand the Father, the truth about who the Father is. Not your earthly Father, but your heavenly Father and how much he loves you and how much the Creator loves you. And I was telling you last week that Chapter 16 and 17 or John are two of my favorite chapters. One is because of the reassurance of the fact that I'm not living this life on my own. The Holy Spirit is helping me, and I love that. I love the fact that I don't have to figure out truth, but the Spirit of God directs me to truth. As I read Scripture, He points it out to me and makes it very clear to me, and I love that. I love the promise of John chapter 16, that the Counselor will come, and He'll lead me to the Father, and He'll help me to understand all that. I love that. And I love chapter 17. And you're going to see why in a minute. If I was to title chapter 17, I would simply say this, Dear Father, Dear Father, and I love this, and hopefully you get the understanding as I walk you through these first few verses of chapter 17 of the picture of an intimate relationship. This morning is going to be a little different in that we're going to take a sneak peek into a relationship between the Godhead 
And in doing that, you're going to see something about the Godhead that you may not have thought about or realized before. And that's why I love this passage so much. You're going to look at a prayer that Jesus prays to his heavenly father, who is a member of his family, the Godhead. And in this prayer, there's a few things that you're going to notice very quickly. First of all, it's a conversation of two really, really close individuals. If I can use individual to explain the Godhead, and I know that gets a little iffy there, but just bear with me. You're going to see something that that these two members of the Godhead have this relationship that is just, it's, it's so tight. There's nothing that separates them. Not only is it tight, but it's incredibly intimate. They know each other so well. And they care so deeply for one another. And there's a longing that's described in this relationship that from our point of view as human beings, when I read this, I want what Jesus is explaining. Every time I read this passage, I think one of the reasons I love it so much is because I know that deep down within my heart and in my soul, God has placed a longing for this same relationship in me. And my relationship with Jesus Christ, my walking with God, my getting to know God through the scripture and through Jesus and by the Holy Spirit working in my heart and my life and me allowing the spirit of God to use the word of God to sink deep down into my heart, it makes that relationship come alive and be real. And when you read this passage of scripture, you see this intimate, close, dear relationship between two members of the Godhead are so close together. They deeply, deeply love one another and care for one another. And it's a beautiful picture of who Jesus is and who the Father really is. And so I want to wander through this with you slowly this morning and unpack it a little bit with you. If you go to John chapter 17, starting at verse 1, let me just read the very first of this. Jesus spoke these things and looked up to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Now, if you've been with us, you know that we have to stop here for just a minute because up to this point, the hour hadn't come, right? It's not time. It's not time. It's not time. Don't say anything about who I am. It's not time yet. It's not time for me to reveal who I am. Jesus has gone through this over and over and over again with his disciples. His disciples are saying, hey, bring your kingdom. Show us the power. Make us rule with you. And and Jesus keeps saying, hey, the time is not yet. The time is not yet. The time is not yet. And we get this in John chapter 17. And all of a sudden, Jesus, who looks up to heaven and begins this prayer to his father, talking this conversation with his father. And he says, Father, the hour has come. Now what Jesus is saying when he says that is this, Hey, Father, you know the plan that we made? You know, way back 
When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, you remember when we created Adam and Eve for relationship with us? You remember back in the garden when we used to walk with Adam and Eve and our relationship was sweet and close and there was no sin and there was nothing separated? Remember way back when that was really cool and then Adam and Eve sinned against us and they broke the relationship that we had? You remember when that took place and we were divided and sin separated God the Father, Jesus Christ, the the Godhead from humanity? Do you remember when that took place? And, and Jesus is saying to the Father, he's saying, remember, right then at that moment, we made a plan to make the relationship come back together and be right. The hour has come to complete the plan that we have for humanity who messed up. We didn't mess up. Humanity messed up. Humanity sinned against us, and when they sinned against us, we immediately made a plan to start to put in action so that we could make that relationship come back to the place that it should be. That's what we did. And the hour has come to complete the plan. We look at the cross, which was part of that plan, and we look at it as a horrible event in time where Jesus Christ, an innocent man, was taken and he was crucified on a cross, a criminal's death, agony, horrible. And Jesus looked at it and saw it as the greatest expression of love that he could give mankind. We look at it as horrible, just excruciating. And it's right, it is. But Jesus looks at it and he says, Ah, the cross. The way that I can show those who I created that I love them beyond any expression of love that they would ever know. What a beautiful expression of love the cross is. And that's how Jesus, the author put it this way, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross so that my relationship with God the Father can be made right. That's the beginning of this prayer. Let's keep going in the prayer. I could get stuck there and then we'll never keep going. Here it is, verse 1. Now he says this, Glorify your Son so that the Son may glorify you. When I was reading this, I I saw this as something, and and this is not a theological term. I made it up, okay, or somebody else might have, but, but reciprocal glory is what we're talking about here. This isn't the little puddles of glory that Pastor Mike talked about a few weeks ago. Do you remember that? Remember the little puddles of glory that we were splashing around in because we're all so proud of ourselves? That's not what we're talking about here. This is God the Father, and Jesus Christ. Jesus starts this prayer and he says, he says, God the Father, I want you to glorify me. And he's talking about the cross. I want you to lift me up on the cross so that all can see that I am the way that relationships will be fixed and healed and made right so that, not so that I'm glorified, so that I can glorify you, the Father. Very different. Because in our lives, we want to be glorified so that people would see us. Hey, look how great he is. Look how awesome he is. Look what he's accomplished. Look what he's done. He's so amazing. And instead, Jesus says, look, would you lift me up? Would you glorify me so that I, in turn, can help everybody understand how great a father you are? When you look at the Godhead folks throughout Scripture, you find this all the time that the Godhead is always about 
glorifying each other. So different than our human heart, right? So different than who we are. We're so often hoping that somebody would notice what we've done, would notice how good we are, would say something about, even when we do something that's just a little bit kind, we want somebody to say, thank you! And that's not what God the Father and Jesus Christ are doing here at all. They're looking at one another, and they're doing something far more amazing than holding a door. (laughs) And they're looking at one another saying, hey, Give the glory where it belongs. Let's glorify one another in this. Open communication. Mutual benefit. Let's be who we are so that they might know us. That's what Jesus is saying. Let me show the glory of the Father so that they would really come to understand who we are. So what is all this glory that God, that Jesus is talking about? Look at verses 2 and 3. It says this. Since you gave him authority over all flesh, God the Father gives Jesus Christ authority over all flesh, so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. Look what Jesus says. Look, the point of me coming to this earth, the point of me coming as a little baby where we go to, to, to December 25th and we celebrate the little baby in the manger and, 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 and we spend the time celebrating, you know, all the gifts that were given and all that wonderful stuff. Jesus looks at it and he says, hey, the purpose of me coming as a, as a little baby and being born as a human being and living out a life for 30 years without really anybody recognizing who I was, and then the last three years of my ministry, is so that I could point everybody to the Father, the one who created them, the one who wants a relationship with them. The whole point and purpose of my existence is so that they would understand that there is someone who loves them so much, he paid the ultimate price by sacrificing his son so that I could be made right with the one who created me. He did that for you. Not just me. He saw you. He saw your needs. The one who created you, the one who allowed you to be born, the one who gave you the breath that you're breathing right now, loves you so much that he sent his son to pay a price that you can't pay. It's impossible for you to pay it. It doesn't matter what you do for all of your life. You can't pay the price. The one who created you loves you so much that he sent his only son to live a perfect life to pay the price that you can't pay to restore your relationship with your creator. That's what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying, hey, I want them to understand how awesome you are. They miss it. Father, you're incredible. Think of the closeness of this prayer. Father, you're amazing, and I want everybody to know it. You're incredible. He's pointing all of humanity to the Father. There is one who dearly, dearly, dearly loves you. 
And he wants a relationship with you so much. He wants you to be full. He wants you to have meaning. He has a plan for you that goes so far beyond anything you could ever dream of. And he cares so much for you that he was willing to break the, the closest and most dearest, dear relationship that has ever been known. He broke it for you, for me. That's how much he cares for you. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says this to God the Father. He has a plan and he's working it out. Jesus Christ, I am the plan. I am here. God made flesh. You can see me. You can touch me. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. I'm here. But look at this. Not only was Jesus the Father's gift to you and me so that we could be made right with God, here's the thing that blows me away about this passage. Jump down to verse six. I have received your name. I have revealed your name to the people you gave me from the world. They were yours. You gave them to me and they have kept your word. I want you to catch a line in here. They were yours. Look at this. You gave them to me. Do you know something? I don't understand how this all works. But I, I'm going to use me. You put your name in, but I'm going to use me because it makes me feel really good, okay? I am a gift from God the Father to the Son. That's what that says. I don't understand how this, because I know me. You know you. That's why I said to put your name in, because you know you. I know me. I'm not always good. My thought life, my, my whole life is not always pure. It's not always perfect. I don't, I don't always put others first. I'm not always looking out for the needs of others. I'm not always caring for, for, for other people without an ulterior motive. I don't know about you, but sometimes I struggle with that. And God the Father looks at Jesus and he says, look, that Tim guy down there who struggles with that, he's my gift to you. And you know what? Jesus is happy to receive me. I don't understand. Maybe you got it all figured out. If you do, talk to me after. Not only is Jesus Christ the Father's gift to us, which makes it so my relationship with him can be made right, but I am a gift to Jesus Christ from the Father. Folks, if that does not make you feel encouraged and special, there's nothing that's going to. The God of the universe chose you to be a gift to his son. Wow. There's so many of us who sit around and say, man, I'm worthless. Man, my life has no meaning. Man, God can't use me. Man, nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat some worms. You remember that when you were a kid? Okay. We do that, right? They're called pity parties. Folks, stop. 
the God of the universe loves you so much that he gave you a gift of his son, but he also in turn is making you a gift to his son. He sees incredible value in you. Incredible value in you. You were created to be in relationship with your creator. And he has a plan to make you fully and completely 100% right. Look at verse 4 with me if you would. I glorify you on this earth or on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. I glorify you on this earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Jesus Christ came to this earth as a little baby and he lived a perfect life, but and, and, and if we looked at his life throughout the Gospels, you'd say, yeah, he did all these wonderful miracles. Uh, God had, Jesus had ministry where he loved people and he cared for people. He trained some disciples and he released them and he, he let them go and to, to, to start the church and to, to do what it was that God the Father wanted to do. But here's the words of Jesus. Jesus looks at God the Father and he says, look, not only did I come here, but I'm going to finish what you asked me to do. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I realize that I've done the miracles. I realize that I've trained the disciples. I realize that I just said that the Holy Spirit was coming, but I'm going to finish the work. And when Jesus is saying that, he's saying, look, in the next couple of days, you read the next few, few chapters. In the next couple of days, there's some guys who are really close to me, who are supposed to love me dearly, who are going to turn their back on me. The ones who are closest to me are going to deny that they even know me. And there's another group of people called the Jews who are going to say, look, he's the sacrifice. He's the one who should be crucified. And they're going to take me and they're going to put me on a cross and they're going to kill me. And I'm going to finish the job, God. I'm going to finish the job. Christ follower, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a lot of us in this room who aren't finishing the job well. You know what God has asked you to do in your family as parents. You know what God has asked you to do with your spouse. You know what God has asked you to do at your job. You know what God is asking you to do in your extended family or in the community that you live in, and you're not finishing the job. You're living for yourself. Jesus Christ could have looked at God the Father and said, no, I don't want to do that. These people hate me. They spit on me. They don't like me. They don't want to be around me. And some of the guys who are closest to me are going to deny me and walk away. What kind of love is that? Why should I die for them? That could have been his response. But instead, Jesus looks at the Father and he says, hey, I'm going to finish the job. I'll complete the plan that you sent me to do. I love this prayer. I love the intimacy of this prayer. Jesus is looking at his Father saying, hey, I'm in, I'm all in, I'm 100%. This was the plan and I know what's coming. And folks, I'm giving you the physical side of this, but what you're missing in this is this, that God the Father, the moment Jesus Christ took my sin, forget about yours, my sin, God the Father turned his back for the first time on his son and could not look or speak to his son because his son bore the sin of Tim Knowles. And Jesus says, 
I'll finish the job. I'll finish the job because I want Tim's relationship with you, the only true God, to be right, to be right. He did that for me. He did that for you. He finished the job. I will bring glory to my father by finishing the job. Look at verse five. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. I love this. This is a picture of God the Father and God the Son before he came to earth. This is that relationship where I can see them laughing together, if that's okay, if you, if you go with me. I can see them in, in communion with one another. I can see them talking together. I can see them enjoying creation together. I can see them enjoying creating together, being together, 100% pure relationship, nothing between them. And Jesus is walking on the earth and he says, Father, I can't wait to get back to the place where we are exactly the way we were before, wouldn't that be awesome? And that's what Jesus' heart is. Oh, that we could be back there, and it's coming. It's coming. That that relationship would be made right. But he doesn't end there. Jump over to verse 24, because he says it this way. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, so that they will see my glory which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. He says, he says this, look, I don't, even, I don't want to just experience it again for myself. I want all of the people, all of humanity to understand the closeness of our relationship, the togetherness. I want them to experience it. If you went back to verse 22, you'd say, he says it this way, oh, that they would feel that. Oh, that they would know that relationship. Now, when I read this, I love it. I can see the wonderful relationship. I see the value that the Father and the Son place in each other, also in me and you. That they would go to this length to restore and renew a broken relationship with us. They didn't break it. We did. But they went to great extents to make it right. God the Father and God the Son went to great extents to make it right. But what the Father did through Jesus for us doesn't end there. This prayer, it doesn't end here. The prayer that Jesus starts with the Father, that you follow it through to the end, you find that it's about our relationship with Him. It's about our involvement in proclaiming that the Father loves this world. Our proclaiming that the Father wants to protect those who are His. This isn't the end of the prayer. He doesn't make one plea to the Father on our behalf and then stop. This is only the beginning of the prayer of Jesus on our behalf. And this is what I want you to get. I want you to listen really carefully to this. This is in Romans chapter 8. Let me read these verses to you. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Because we do not know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus Christ is the one who died, but even more, 
has been raised, he also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Let me help you with this, guys. This is what he's saying. You know the prayer that Jesus started in John chapter 17? Oh, Father, that we would be one, that they would see that we are one, that they would understand the relationship that we have one with another, that they would understand how much I love and care for them. He's still praying it on your behalf before the Father right now. The Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to pray, we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit goes before Jesus Christ and he says, look, this is the need they have. This is the hurt that's in their life. This is what's going on. And he prays before Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ intercedes on our behalf to the Father. He looks down, he says, see Tim? And the Father goes, yeah, I see Tim. And he goes, care and love for Tim. Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit stand before the Father right now and they plead for you and for me. Do you think he cares? Do you think he understands what's going on in your life? Be encouraged. He didn't just save you and pull you out and leave you. He's with you right now. He's going before the Father right now on your behalf. He cares about what you're feeling right now. He understands the needs of your heart right now. And he is before God the Father. Jesus Christ is interceding for you right now. Right now. You at the end? You're looking at your life saying, man, I got a knot tied at the end and I'm just holding on for dear life. The Spirit, Jesus, they know. And they're lifting you up before the Father right now. Are you at a point in your life right now where you don't know what's next? You don't understand the next steps. Jesus knows. And he's lifting you up before the Father because he understands what's going on inside of you. This incredible prayer continues from the Spirit through the Son to the Father for us. Wow. It's incredible to me that Jesus Christ would want to spend that time on me. On me. Be encouraged. There is one, Jesus, who has a personal, intimate relationship with our Creator, the Father, who is on your side and is pleading your case before the Father right now. You are not in this alone. Father, we struggle. We struggle even understanding what this relationship could look like. We don't get the fact often that there's one who cares that much for us. That there's, that there's someone who would go to that extreme for us. But you did. Father, thank you for encouraging us with these words from John. 
that you loved us so much, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to make a way that we could have a relationship with you. And not just a relationship, but a perfect, pure relationship with you. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit who prays for me when I don't even know what to say. When I hurt so bad and I need direction so bad that I don't know what to do next, the Holy Spirit takes that cause before God the Father. Thank you. Thank you for the ministry of Jesus Christ who stands before the Father and presents me pure and clean. Thank you. God, thanks for loving us so much that you made a way for us to have a relationship with you. Thanks. In your name we pray. Amen. So you're going to walk out the door from here. And you may remember what we talked about this morning, and you may not. But I want you to leave thinking this. There's nobody like God. There's no one like his son, Jesus Christ. There's no one that's ever loved like that before. And long before you walked this earth, God the Father looked ahead. And he said, you know what? They're going to need help. They're going to have a disease that causes death and separates them from me. And he looked ahead and he said, I'm going to make a plan that would solve that problem. And his plan was Jesus Christ, his son. And that incredible God that there's nobody like loved you enough to make a way that your relationship with him could be made right. Leave here knowing that the creator of this universe loves you that much. God, help us to say yes to you. Help us to say yes to your son. Help us to be thankful and in awe of what you have done on our behalf. Thanks. In your name we pray.